0: Since 1976, Habitat for Humanity has helped more than 59 million people build or improve a place they call home. Um, So pretty impactful numbers there. And and Our affiliate, Mellis County, we began in 1985. We began raising funds through spaghetti dinner benefits. If you know anything about spaghetti dinner benefits, they don't raise too much money. Uh, So we were only able to build a few homes per year. now we've got it down to a pretty good science. Um, this year alone in 2023, we're going to complete 80 home builds throughout Pinellas and West Pasco County. Um, we've, we've continuously been in the top three to five for uh, most producing affiliates in terms of new home builds. Um, we continue to see that year over year. So, in total, here in our uh, service area, we've completed 863 brand new homes.
1: Welcome to The M Factor, conversations with entrepreneurs who started, stumbled and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White. And this month during the holidays, we're featuring organizations that make the world a better place through acts of service to people and communities. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Xavier Oliver, director of programs at Habitat for Humanity of Pinellas and West Pasco County in Florida, right here where I'm located. Xavier, thank you for joining me today.
0: Hello, Dr. Roy. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's an absolute pleasure to be here. and I'm excited to have this conversation with you.
1: Well, I'm excited too, because I have heard a lot about Habitat for a long time. Uh, I've never been a volunteer, but I know many people that have, and it's a wonderful program. It's been around for a while. But I'd like to start by talking a little bit about the organization, its mission, and maybe a little bit about the history of the program, because I know it's been around for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. let's, let's jump all the way back to the beginning then. Um, so Habitat for Humanity was founded in 1976 by Millard and Linda Fuller, um, and, and this was Habitat for Humanity International that was founded. And the principles of Habitat were founded well before that the 1940s, a gentleman named Clarence Jordan. He grew up on a farm in Southwest Georgia. Um, As you can imagine, the 1940s, was a pretty difficult time to live. Um, So he relied on his neighbors and family members and friends for that community feeling, you know, food, shelter, just relying on others. Um, So based on those principles, Millard and Linda, they took those principles and started Fund for Humanity. Um, And they took that over to Zaire, Africa, where they built actually the first Habitat homes uh, there in the 70s. And then they launched Habitat for Humanity in 1976. Um, And the mission of Habitat is to provide families with the opportunity to purchase affordable homes. Um, And the need for that is greater now than ever. As you can imagine, here in the state of Florida and all across our nation, um, the need for affordable housing is is so intense. It's, it's truly a crisis here in the nation, and specifically in our area. Um, so the, the mission is is very impactful, and it's it's needed now more than ever.
1: Absolutely. And uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm on I'm I'm in the Hillsborough County side of Tampa Bay, and you represent Pinellas County and West Pasco. And for people maybe who are listening, this is all considered part of the whole Tampa Bay area. And you mentioned that. Today, um, you know, it's even harder to have a home. I know I moved here in, to the Tampa Bay area in 2009, and uh, for many years, housing here was quite affordable. But in recent years, it's been harder and harder, I think, for people to, to um, acquire and maintain their homes. So I can imagine uh, that, that the work that you do has, has become even more important in the last few years? Definitely,
0: definitely. Um, Since the pandemic specifically, the the housing market here in Tampa Bay has just been booming. Um, And it's it's great for the area. There's plenty of jobs being created, plenty of people um, from all over the nation coming down to Florida and contributing. Um, But of course, the families that have been here, have roots here and are established here, are now getting priced out. Um, There are some statistics from the University of Florida that have been published in there. Schinberg Center for Housing Studies. Um, and what that tells us is that there are almost 800,000 low-income renters in Pinellas County that pay more than 40% of their income for housing. Um, if you look at those numbers and, and you think about 40% of your income coming going straight towards rent or towards housing, there's not much left over. And if, if you're a single parent or if you have kids, you know, th- th- there doesn't leave much left for these centrals for groceries and gas. and soccer cleats and and all that fun stuff that you want to enjoy in life um, so it, it's it's truly becoming a crisis and as he mentioned in the last couple of years we've really seen it intensify
1: now you mentioned that the first I think the first home was built in Africa is that it's, right did Africa I understand that correctly Africa. yeah so this started out uh, international it's a, is it Does it continue to be an international program?
0: Yes, so it's an international program. Um, There are actually over a thousand affiliates here in the United States. Um, And and we do work in the U.S. and and all across um, the the globe to impact affordable housing. Um, Our annual report was just completed by the Habitat for Humanity International team. And since 1976, Habitat for Humanity has helped more than 59 million people Build or improve the place they call home. Um, so, pretty impactful numbers there. And, and our affiliate in Pinellas County, we began in 1985 and we began raising funds through spaghetti dinner benefits. And if you know anything about spaghetti dinner benefits, they don't raise too much money. Uh, so, we were only able to build a few homes per year. And, and now we've got it down to a pretty good science. Uh, this year alone in 2023, we're going to complete 80 home builds throughout Pinellas and West Pasco County. Um, we've, we've continuously been in the top three to five for uh, most producing affiliates in terms of new home builds. Um, we continue to see that year over year. So in total, here in our uh, service area, we've completed 863 brand new homes. Uh, we've impacted over 1,000 families through home repair work that we've also done in the past. And then we actually tie with Habitat around the world. Right now with Habitat Nicaragua and Habitat Malawi, so every time we build here in Pinellas or West Pasco, we send money to those habitats around the world to help with their affordable housing, housing. Um, So we've impacted almost 800 families through those tithing efforts as well.
1: That's that's amazing. That's really wonderful. Now, I learned about y- you in particular from uh, my graduate student who's graduating, Adriana Clemson, and she uh, and her team, I think, from here at the University of Tampa, actually did some work for you. But I don't know a whole lot about your background. So I'm really curious about how you found yourself in this role um, with Habitat as the director of programs. And, And maybe after we kind of go through how you got there, tell us a little bit more about what you do specifically for the organization.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, it was a pleasure to work with Adriana and her team. They helped us. Uh, with little projects throughout the semester, and we just wrapped it up. And I think they've graduated now. I think they said they were graduating last weekend. So yes, uh, it was a great. It was a pleasure to work with them. But um, yeah, I, I went to the University of Tampa after growing up in New York. Um, I came down here for spring break visiting my brother one year um, after a year at the University of Delaware, and uh, you just couldn't beat it when it was March and rainy and cold in Delaware. Uh, It was sunny and warm here, so uh, I planted my roots here, and and I I went to the University of Tampa, completed my undergrad in marketing. I had the opportunity to complete a graduate assistantship, uh, which led me to complete my MBA right after that. Um, So I had two degrees from the University of Tampa, and I will always um, be loyal to the Spartans. I I always try and plug it anywhere I can go, um, try to get people down here to, to enjoy the school as much as I did. Um, but starting out right after after um, my master's program, it was COVID, um, so I actually had a full-time internship. I was doing a graduate assistantship and going to school full-time. Um, all that kind of got flipped upside down once everything was shut down and I was able to kind of reset and focus on what I really wanted to do. Um, I really wanted to help people and, and be in contact with people. So I started uh, with the Boys and Girls Clubs down in Manatee County, Florida, where I uh, ran their volunteer program. I spent about a year there uh, while I finished up school. And then this opportunity with Habitat for Humanity of Penelson and West Pasco opened up. I had a friend there from UT. Uh, she actually sent me uh, the position and told me I should apply, check it out. And uh, everything just fell right in line. Uh, I, I love the people that I work with. So... It was an easy transition for me to move over to Habitat. And, of course, the mission is so tangible and so rewarding. Um, and It's been a great journey. Um, so I started out as a volunteer program manager there, um, or here, I should say. And uh, I, I just continued to grow, and, and the team continued to invest in me. And now I also see oversee pieces of the homeownership program. So I get to work hand-in-hand hand with the families that we impact on a daily basis. And, that has to be the most rewarding part of of what I do is helping everyone in the community. You know, they come out to the build sites and volunteer and and I get to help set all that up. But at the end of the day, when you see a family from day one coming into the program and and being nervous about their journey before their hours and their classes and all that fun stuff, you get to see them at the end open that front door for the first time. And you know, it's it's a turning point in these families' lives in, in anybody's anybody's life when you get to own a home and you know, you can call something yours. It's, it's truly impactful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That must be very rewarding. And I find it interesting. So most of your career has been in not-for-profits and, and organizations that have a service mission. Was that by design or is that kind of, you know, sometimes life happens to us. I know a lot of my life did, but is, is this something you always wanted to do or is this something that found you? Let me put it that way.
0: A little bit of both. Um, I think there's definitely some inspiration uh, by family and close family friends uh, that have um, heavily influence in the nonprofit world all across the globe. And, you know, just seeing the opportunity to impact others that, you know, knowing that I go to work every day, not just earning a paycheck and getting there, you know, getting to 5 p.m. every day, but it's such a, a bigger picture. Um, it's, it's humbling and it's a privilege to be able to serve others. Um, so I think subconsciously it's something that I seeked out. And once I, I was able to impact the youth in our community through the Boys and Girls Clubs and then have a bigger impact on families' overall habitat, um, it's something that, that I can't really see myself going in a different direction from.
1: You know, one of the things that many of our students at the University of Tampa do is volunteer uh, while they're while they're students. And I think sometimes that experience is well, I know it's always transformative in some way, but I think sometimes it leads to, to a path like the one that you have taken with your career.
0: Definitely, definitely. I did a ton of work through sports. Um, I was able to you know, be a coach and a mentor and a referee in, in, all, sport, in all types of sports um, environments in New York. And I think that's what ultimately led to me um, wanting to impact the youth and, and families and just the opportunity to serve others. Um, and, and like you said, we, we've had some some teams come out from the University of Tampa, the track and field team joined us on a build day of last year. Um, so it, it really can be such a difference maker, just one shift, one opportunity to get out there and help a nonprofit. It could spark that in a student just like that.
1: Well, I, I love that. And I love what you're doing. Now, I read that, um, that there is, and you mentioned something about classes, there is a big educational component. So what I always think about are the build days, you know, building homes, and you see the pictures of the families that get to move in. But I'm an educator, and so I'm very curious about that part of what you do. Can you talk a little bit about that, that component of education? Um, Who is it for? What's the focus? And, um, and and tell us why that's important um, to to, the, to your clients. So we
0: have um, about 120 families in the pipeline right now. Um, we're closing on anywhere from you know five to eight homes per month, and all depends on the building, of course. But you know we're moving families through this program, and, and they're our main target for these classes. Um, when they come into our program, we want them to be successful. As soon as they close on their home, they have all the tools, the resources, the knowledge to make sure that they're successful homeowners. So we've created this robust curriculum of classes uh, all around homebuyer education. Um, so we teach mainly things about financial literacy, uh, budgeting, saving, uh, managing debt, credit, all that fun stuff in terms of finances. That's a huge chunk of the curriculum. But we also go into other things such as home maintenance and repair. Uh, We talk to them about being a good neighbor. A lot of folks have uh, some people on their list that can take that class. Um, Tree and landscaping class, fire safety class. And then we also get our homeowners engaged in their community. So we make sure they know how to register to vote, how to actually vote. Um, We teach them about healthy habits, nutrition. Um, We teach them how to design on a dime. Um, So making sure that when they do move into their new home, they understand that they can furnish and decorate their home. Responsibly, Um, so that that robust curriculum is really well rounded. Make sure that by the time our families finish the program, that they're going to be successful and they can really elevate themselves after this next chapter um, of the homeownership journey.
1: That's a great idea. Probably almost all of us could use that before we buy our first home. Yes, you know it's uh, there's so much to learn and so much to do when you own a home. There's always something. Uh, is that something that's been part of Habitat for a long time, or um, is, and and is that something that that is operated on an international level as well? The curriculum. So each
0: affiliate is different, and as I mentioned, there are over a thousand affiliates in the U.S., and, and each affiliate has their strengths and weaknesses and, and different focuses to meet the community where they are and what the needs of the community are. Um, so for our affiliate, we've been able to. Focus on new home builds, um, and we've really built that curriculum um, to make sure that our families have those tools and resources to be successful. Um, it is something that is is instilled in the international um, plan and the international strategy, um, not just to give away homes for free and and to give away homes to anybody in need without any education. Uh, the Habitat for Humanity mission is a hand up program; it's not a handout. Um, and it's not an easy program to get into, and it's not an easy program to complete. Um, so every time that we turn those keys over to a family, we know that they have are ready. We know that they're going to be successful in this new home. Um, and as you mentioned, that education is, is just so important to um, what we do and, and their success as individuals and families in the community.
1: Sure, sure. You know, uh, this podcast has a focus on entrepreneurship, which is my field and an entrepreneurial mindset and, and innovation. And so as I listen to you talk about the, the curriculum, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of things that, uh, and a lot of programs that you work with as the director of programs that might be considered innovative or that require um, sort of an entrepreneurial mindset. But, but I'm just curious about your thoughts about that. You know, do, uh, do you, do you incorporate an entrepreneurial mindset, or see that mindset in in uh, y- yourself and the other the, the other leaders that 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 run Habitat and and manage the programs uh, for th- for the population that we have here in, in Pinellas and West Pasco?
0: Yes, yes, no doubt. Yes, um, I think adaptability is one of our greatest strengths at Habitat for Humanity. Um, you know, we, we pride ourselves on that. Think about home construction, it's naturally a fluid process. There are so many factors that can impact what we do, whether it be weather here in Florida or contractors or supply chain issues. All these things can impact our building schedule. So, we need to adapt and to overcome obstacles and things that you may not see. Um, you know, one of our recent home builds, we had a pause on in the pre construction process because there were gopher turtles on our property. Um, And those are protected species here in Florida. So it's something we've never dealt with, but something that we had to adapt and and overcome and find a solution for. Um, And then behind the scenes, every department habitat is working in collaboration with one another. So you have the construction team building home, of course, but then there's also the programs team making sure that these families are completing their requirements, their sweat equity hours, their classes, to make sure that they finish their program. Uh, we have advocacy teams working with local governments and municipalities to help us with financial assistance, maybe down payment assistance or waiving fees for construction. Um, so all that is intertwined. And when you think about all those factors um, that can throw us off schedule, that adaptability is one of the biggest things that we need to have as an organization uh, to continue moving forward and achieving our goals.
1: Yeah, and and um, I'm I'm guessing that there is a lot of um, a lot of finding new and innovative ways to adapt to the problems that are going that change over time for for population. Have you seen that since you've been there, like uh, an attempt to modify and improve and change and innovate in terms of meeting the the needs of the clientele that that you have. For sure, I
0: think uh, we're going through it right now. So it's it's interesting timing that we're talking about this because Pinellas County in the state of Florida and, and in the entire Southeast region is one of the most dense counties um, by population. So the land available in Pinellas County is is very sparse, and and if it is available, it, it may be out of our affordability range. Um, so it, it's it's very difficult to build in Pinellas County. Uh, so we're in the in the the middle of a transition to multifamily development projects. Um, So we're starting townhome development projects in South St. Pete, as well as Largo. Um, And this will help us still meet the needs of the community, but do it based on the the market that we have here in Pinellas and West Pasco. Um, There are some great advancements all over the habitat network. I know I just read one um, up in Boston. They are working with a VFW, uh, which their building was damaged their event hall. Um, so they are able to repurpose that uh, building hall in partnership with Habitat and put four single family units on top of that. Um, so that that innovation and, and thinking outside the box of, yes, this is going to be a new hall, but it's an opportunity for Habitat to come in and partner with them to still offer affordable housing units to families. Um, and I think that's what it takes. And of course, we have the support of, of the community. They really wrap our, their arms around us at Habitat. Um, but it's really that outside-the-box thinking and that innovative thinking that it's going to take over the next few years to make sure that we're still meeting the needs of the community.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've noted for not-for-profits that, you know, we sometimes forget and think entrepreneurship is just about creating a, a brand-new for-profit business or about running a small business. But it's so valuable, I think, that mindset, that ability to recognize opportunity and take action and overcome the challenges that you get presented with along the way on any endeavor, um, you know, just to keep going, that perseverance and that adaptability, like you mentioned. So, um, you know, for, 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 anybody that's listening and interested in entrepreneurship, I think you can absolutely apply it in the not-for-profit space. Uh, You know, I'm really curious. You mentioned um, the people that come together to support what you do. That means managing a lot of volunteers. And I think Um, You know, on on the other, on the flip side of the coin, I know that a lot of uh, for profit entrepreneurs love to give back to the community. So I think some of our listeners might be really interested in how they can get involved and what that means. Um, And then I guess along that same line, what does that mean for you in Habitat in terms of managing all of this um, wonderful? Free labor, but still uh, a management challenge. Sometimes I'm sure. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah, the the building opportunities are are absolutely incredible. They're super impactful, and and I could talk forever about these. Um, you know, we we offer volunteer opportunities like framing days and days where we're installing doors and windows, um, installing cabinets, uh, landscaping, painting. Super tangible things that at the end of a, a four a six hour shift. You can walk away saying that I transformed this house um, and, and I did amazing work today. And the windows may be upside down and the door may be backwards, but we'll fix that later, right? Um, but it, it's so tangible and that's the unique advantage we have at Habitat for our volunteers. They get to see the impact that they're making with their very own hands. Um, then, you, then you take a step back and you think about the bigger picture that you're, making, that you're having, um, the bigger impact you go by that house for the next 10, 20, 30 years in your community, those are the same windows that you installed for that family during one shift. Um, So to have that that tangibility as soon as you're done with your day, and then to have that last a lifetime for a family in need, um, there's not much better than that, that you can do from a volunteer standpoint. Um, We are, are so blessed at Habitat to have so much support from the community. Um, you know, we, we couldn't do what we do without our partners. It's, it's costing us almost 40% more to build each home here in our community because of the, the increased cost of material and labor and all that post-pandemic. Um, so we, we do our best to accommodate um, all the groups that we have because each time that a build day group comes out um, to build with us, um, it's, again, as you mentioned, it's reducing the cost for us to contract out work um, whether it be landscaping or painting, if, if we can have volunteers jump in and do that, it's such a win for us. Um, and hopefully that our uh, partners and our volunteers feel the same way. Um, the, the management of our volunteers is, is definitely a dance. As I mentioned, the construction schedule is very fluid. Uh, one thing or you know, a failed inspection or a contractor not showing up can impact multiple volunteer days in a row. Um, but we do our best to, to be up front with our volunteers so that they understand that. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming out to, to a Habitat for Community site, you understand uh, the nature of construction. Uh, so our volunteers are very flexible. They're very adaptable. Um, and it's just something that we do. And we really focus on communication internally to avoid these problems with any building groups or anybody that's willing to donate time and resources to, to further our mission.
1: So, you know, I, I'm not always uh, somebody that can install windows or <laughs> build homes. Do you train your volunteers? I mean, is this uh, like, can you go spend the day and come away with the skill?
0: Yes, we're going to have to get you out there, Dr. Williams. There is no <laughs> I, experience needed.
1: I think I'd love it. Yeah, Yeah. we have
0: an amazing team of of site supervisors and the entire construction team. Uh, They do an incredible job working with volunteers of all levels. Um, So we have weekday warriors. So um, we have folks in the community that are retired, that have a little more time on their hands, and they enjoy being on our build sites. So they'll come out two to three times a week and help us build homes all throughout the year. They may have a little more skill, but... We have some homeowner candidates and their families and friends that have no experience on a built site. It could be their first time. Um, no matter the skill level, our construction team takes care of our volunteers and makes sure that all the safety precautions are taken. They understand all the hazards of the site and then they give them hands-on training and work with them throughout the day to ensure that they have an impactful day. Um, I myself am, am not familiar with the home construction process. but. I've done multiple days with, with a lot of our team members, and, and they are, are awesome. They're, they're very patient. Uh, they all are, are trained to work with volunteers of all levels. So no matter what your experience level is, if you've never been on a build site, you can go out there tomorrow and have a very impactful day.
1: Yeah. So you, you have lots of volunteers that come in and support. Do you also have partnerships that help you achieve what you're trying to do? other organizations, either for-profit or not-for-profit, that fit into your mission and become a part of what you're trying to achieve? Definitely.
0: The partnerships are crucial to what we do. Um, A lot of the partners that we have in our community provide the funding that's needed for each home build that we complete. Um, So organizations like Raymond James, Power Design, Marine Max, um, all sorts of different companies and businesses um, provide that funding. They also play a huge part in volunteering, and that's part of the partnership. Um, and we understand um, that it's a give and take. So one of our, our um, supporters is a healthcare company. And because of their crazy schedules in the healthcare field, they can't always build with us based on our typical schedule. So it happens how we create them a unique schedule that allows more people to come out and more people to be involved. And it's a minor tweak for us, but it's a huge win for them because they get to have more people support us. Um, So that partnership and and that give and take with with community organizations and businesses is crucial to what we do. And as you mentioned, it's not all about the dollars. So we do have some partnerships with some incredible organizations, and nonprofits throughout the community. Uh, One of them being Feeding Tampa Bay, another major nonprofit here in the Tampa community. Um, Every time that a family moves into a house, they purchase the house, they close on the home and they move in. Tampa Bay has stocked their pantry and freezer to help them buffer as they transition to the new home. Um, another example is Kids Pedal Power um, through the Upper Tampa Bay Chamber of Commerce. Um, so what they do is as the family receives the keys to their home and the parents see that and understand all that, the kids may not, right? They, they're getting a new bedroom and it's all great. But on that dedication day, when we hand over the keys to the family, Kids Pedal Power comes in, provides them with a bike. Um, So we talk about building communities and and building up neighborhoods. What better way for a child to move into a neighborhood than with a new bike and being able to get around and play with the neighborhood kids? So those partnerships are not only important for Habitat and organizations that we partner with, but ultimately it's all for the families and and they're the the ones that benefit from all this, which is exactly why we're doing what we do.
1: Yeah, make the experience richer and better and... You know, I'm glad you did a shout out for Marine Max because I happen to be on their board. Oh, really? So it's, <laughs> it's a great company. I know I've heard, I've uh, I've seen that the teams come out for Marine Max. So uh, that that's fun to to have that shout out for them. But yeah, it's a great company. But you mentioned many great companies, and Tampa Bay is such a welcoming community. I found um, and a supportive community, and uh, I think it's. Uh, you know, I think it's a great place to be. And and I know we have a lot of people transitioning into and moving into this region. So I'm sure that that keeps you all busy um, with families that, that can benefit from from the programs. You know, uh, we talked a little bit about the uncertainty and challenges of, of the economy that we're in right now. I'm really curious about, um, as you are as you and and Habitat are kind of thinking about the the landscape, the economic landscape that we're in now, some of the other challenges that we're facing, do you see um, do you see opportunities and growth or changes on the horizon for the organization?
0: Definitely. Um, you know, sometimes it happens that we joke that we are flying the plane as we build it, um, and and it's I think it's all driven by the need for affordable housing in our community. Um, and, and, you know, whatever challenges come our way, whatever obstacles come our way, it's something that our team is willing to go the extra mile forward and, and put in the work to overcome because we know how much these families are in need of the housing. Uh, we're, we're seeing hundreds of families apply to the program or inquire about the program each month. And at the rate in which we're building, we're only able to accept anywhere from six to ten families per month. Um, On a big month, we're able to accept 12 families Um, and, and, you know, we're able to build 80 homes this year, but the the need for housing is so great in our community. So we at Habitat feel the responsibility to overcome any challenges um, that do come our way. And I think, as we mentioned, the transformation to um, multifamily units in our area is going to be crucial um, because of the lack of land and uh, the lack of buildable land, especially in Pinellas County. Uh, I think these are going to be a new way for us to impact more families and just give more opportunity to the families in need that contribute to our community every day.
1: Do you all, do you regularly uh, step back and look at metrics uh, much like a for-profit company and to help guide the the direction and the strategy?
0: For sure. So we, we are wrapping up uh, our final year in our strategic plan. Um, We're starting to, um, complete the planning process for a new strategic plan. And and I know a lot of organizations, they may have a strategic plan. It's created, you know, it's in place, and then it's on the bottom of of their stack of papers on their desk until it's time to create a new one. Um, But every leader and every team member at Habitat is driven by that strategic plan. Um, So we're we're always looking at that. We're looking at our our monthly numbers, our, our annual numbers to make sure we're Achieving our goals and and growing each year um, as we intend to, so it's definitely something that we're keeping track of. We're not just kind of flying blind. Uh, we have a very strategic plan in place, and our leadership team does an excellent job of making sure that we're on that path um, in, in everything that we do each and every day.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned the leadership team there, and uh, I'm just curious about how um, how do you know, part of your job is to keep your uh, volunteers motivated and empowered. Um, how does Habitat keep keep you and the other leadership there uh, motivated and empowered uh, to keep moving forward, even in the face of uh, significant challenges from time yeah. to time?
0: Uh, Habitat is, is one of the greatest places to work, in, and I know I'm biased, but. Um, we were recognized as the Tampa Bay Business Journal is one, one of the best places to work in Tampa in 2023. Um, and it's it's truly just the investment in, in people. Um, at, at Habitat, we we offer a great benefit package. Our pay is extremely competitive. And there's so many intangibles, you know, flexibility and understanding that our people are people. Um, you know, we all have families. We all have things to do outside of work. and There's just so much investment in each person. No matter what level you're on, you're a leader. Um, And and everyone has the opportunity to lead the organization and lead other team members or lead families to to homeownership, whatever that looks like. Um, Everybody has the opportunity to be themselves and everybody has the opportunity to grow. Um, You know, I'm here sitting with you, Dr. White, because my team was able to to allow me to be here. I know we have a lot of big names that come on here, you know, Tim Mark, CEO of MetMen uh, in Tampa, came on, and I'm the director of programs for representing Habitat. So, uh, without their support and without their investment, I wouldn't be here. Uh, so, it's truly the investment in people and understanding that people are the greatest asset of the nonprofit organization, and and it's something I'll be truly thankful for for a long time.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about the the pandemic and the impact of the pandemic and. Maybe even technology do, the, do um, you know do, do they, did the pandemic impact what habitat did or has it changed at any and and also as a parallel, how about technology
0: yeah, so the, the pandemic definitely um, was a stopping point for habitat. We shut down all volunteer opportunities um, because of everything that was going on, and it kind of gave us a time to reset the biggest thing that we've had to deal with post pandemic is the increased cost that we've talked about the increased cost for land um, for building material for labor um, that's that's definitely one of the challenges that we're facing right now um, because of the pandemic it seems it's, it's just increased immensely and something that we haven't seen really gone down um, in terms of technology it was a great opportunity for us as we returned to work post COVID and and throughout the pandemic was to really evaluate what was going on. Uh, We had some of our best years in terms of production and growth during the pandemic, which is something that we're pretty proud of, Um, but it also gave us the opportunity to recognize our weak points and and, uh, establish better policies and procedures for those. And um, as we continue to grow, it's something that is a constant um, conversation internally. You know, you think about us going from 10, 12 families in the pipeline to now having 120 families. Um, You think about all the volunteers that we've had pre-pandemic. You know, we're only building 40, 50 homes per year. Now we have 80 homes to build. That means that much more, almost double the amount of volunteers that we have, right? So all these conversations are happening on a a consistent basis, Um, even in the construction field, you know, where you think, Everything happens on the construction site. There's so much more that happens behind the scenes. We need all the technology, the softwares and platforms to make sure that all this is organized and, and we're doing it in the most efficient way possible, especially as a nonprofit, trying to uh, use our resources wisely and, and responsibly. Um, it's, it's a conversation that needs to happen and does on a continuous basis.
1: Right, right. That's a That's a very important point because, you know, Every entrepreneur is always managing resources, but in a not-for-profit, you have a lot of people that you're accountable for—not just those that you're serving, but the the donors and the volunteers—and uh, you know it's it's a it's a uh, a massive undertaking and requires a lot of management uh, to make sure those resources are deployed in a way that's effective and and uh, that gets really to to the service of your goal and your mission. Um, because many, uh, as we know, there are not-for-profits that don't do that, but I know Habitat's been very good about that, and so there's a lot to be proud of there. You know, Xavier, this has been a great conversation, and I've learned a lot, and I'm excited to get out there and do a build day, and to challenge all of our entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast to do the same. I, I got uh, before we get into how we can find out more about that, I just have one last question. I always ask what, all my guests, um, if somebody listening would like to uh, either run a not-for-profit or have a leadership role in a not-for-profit, uh, you went through school, you you got a business degree, uh, you know, a lot of my students are really interested in in service type organizations that give back and have an impact in the community. What kind of advice would you give uh, anyone who's interested in the kind of role you have? Yeah, I
0: mean, especially as a young professional, I think the greatest thing that you can do, especially while you have the time, is to volunteer. I mean, nonprofits are looking for volunteers to help in every aspect of their organization, whether it be a build site with habits for Humanity or on our finance team or on our marketing team. So if it's something that specifically you want to get into in the nonprofit space, test it out. You know reach out to your local nonprofit, whatever your passion is in, whether it be food insecurity or housing or homelessness, whatever it may be, reach out to a nonprofit in your community and see how you can get involved. It's, it's an easy way to dip your toes into that world and see what it's all about and if it's something that you really want to do as a career and continue to pursue.
1: That's really great advice. And, you know, I always tell my students that it's amazing the people that you can actually meet through that process. You can actually get the chance to hang out for a day with people that CEOs of corporations, maybe, or other leaders that you'd never get a chance to talk to uh, by volunteering side by side. So that's really great advice on so many counts. Xavier, this has been a treat for me. I've loved talking to you, and I'm excited to see you as a former UT student taking this leadership role in our community. How can our listeners find out more about uh, your, uh, your particular program there in, uh, for Habitat in Pinellas and West Pasco? How can they find out more about, about you or connect with you? Yeah, yeah. So
0: I'd love to, you know, I know you have listeners all over the nation. Habitat.org has a nifty tool where you can find your local habitat, searching by city, zip code, um, or your area. So you can definitely find it all across our nation. But for ours in Pinellas and West Pasco, HabitatPWP.org is our website. And there are so many great features on that website. and, And easy ways to get involved. Um, if you click onto the calendar, I think that would be the easiest way to jump right in because, as I mentioned before, our home dedications are the culmination of a family's journey to homeownership. And that's when we celebrate them and hand over their keys. And, you know, if you're, you're still skeptical about the Habitat mission and how it all works, come to one of those and, and see the impact that it has on a family in our community. There's rarely a dry eye at any of these dedications. Um, so I would I would invite anybody listening to come out to our home dedications and see how it all works. Um, and, and if you want to connect with me, um, my LinkedIn is Xavier Oliver. Um, I'd love to connect with you and, and get your team out there or you out there uh, to volunteer with us and spend some time giving back to the community. It's super tangible and it's super impactful as I've been mentioning this whole time. So love to see anybody out there listening out on the build site um to to get involved with habitat
1: that's great yes it it uh it definitely feels good and it's a great goal we're as we record this and as we're going to air it we're going to be approaching 2024 so it's a great goal in 2024 to do something meaningful like like giving back in a very tangible way where you can see the impact of what you're doing so Thank you, Xavier, for joining me today. I know it's a busy time for you and your team at this holiday season, but really appreciated having you on the InFactor and look forward to uh, getting out there on a build site with you sometime.
0: Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and, and I can't
1: wait to see you out there on build site. Sounds like fun. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.